This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Podcast One presents House of Kim with Kim Zolciak Bierman. Join Kim, her husband, and six children as she shares her journey to success and the positive mentality that brought her there. Come on in and make yourself at home. Now, here's your host, Kim Zolciak Bierman. Hi, you guys. Welcome to this episode of House of Kim. What's popping, Croy? Not much. Oh, yeah? Well, yeah. yesterday, huh? What? Or Friday, I should say. What happened? Oh, Let's talk about you at Ariana School, but first, <laughs> let me tell you guys about um, Miss Ariana. I was cleaning up the house the other day, Friday, I guess it was, at like 3.30 in the afternoon, I was picking up, I had all these boxes in the foyer, and I was just trying to get more you know, organized, and, and all of a sudden, it hit me for some weird reason. I was like, oh my God, Ariana, is it going to be a senior this coming year? And she's not going to be here after that every day. Like if the boys wanted to ride their four wheelers. So, so I text Ariana like, hey, um, you want to ride four wheelers with us? Because I don't want to go alone and sit there because I'm so anxious about it. She's like, yeah, I can't wait, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, oh, my God, what if she's not around to. I think it's 50 50. I don't think 50 50 percent chance she's going to go somewhere. 50 percent chance she's going to be there. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no, she's here. going to college. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't have a fucking choice. She's I like know she doesn't, but she thinks, you know. She well, she just otherwise. says that because she thinks she's cool. Uh-huh. But anyways, so I was kind of like really sad. I was like, oh, my God, where did the time go? I remember when I had when I was pregnant with her, um, going through a divorce at seven months pregnant. I was like, how the fuck am I going to do this on my own with two girls? This is just nuts. I really was so overwhelmed and so stressed. And I look back now and had I known then what I know now, I wouldn't have been stressed at all. So yeah. it was just so stressful and just so exhausting. And oh my God, it was it was definitely, definitely a lot. Uh, wouldn't change it for the world. And, you know, I posted on my Instagram the other day about it. I was like, you know, I just always gave the girls all that I had and you just got to keep on believing. And that's, and that's basically what I did until your fine ass came along. Oh man. But anyways, what's really odd is that We'll talk about Croy and how he went into the office of, this, of the high school that Ariana goes to. But I, uh, Ariana had walked in from school, and about 20 minutes later, she's like, Mom. And she came up and hugged me. She's like, you know what? This is going to be like my last Halloween like with you guys. And I'm like, who the f*** says that? <laughs> and she's like, in my last That's Christmas. It's not her last Halloween. It's not her, her last Christmas. Well, you're not coming home on Christmas break? Yeah, right. That's you're what I said, too. And like, so my point, I was so upset. I was like, you're making me feel like something bad's going to happen or that you're just going to run off into the sunset and never come home. So shut up. And she started to laugh. But what's really odd is that I was just thinking that an hour before she got home. So anyhow, okay, you guys, let me tell you what happened on Friday at Ariana School and the mad scientist that Croy looked like um, <laughs> when he went into the school. Go ahead, baby. <laughs> well, first, Ariana calls us from school and says yeah. she's got booted. Yeah, she calls, the car she got calls booted. me around lunchtime. She says, um, my car just got booted. I need $75. And I said, oh, not my problem. 
And she says, I don't have time for this. Like, what am I supposed to do? I said, well, have them invoice you or bill you or something. I don't know. And she says, it doesn't work that way. And, and I said, well, you know, whatever, figure it out. She's like, fine, I'll figure it out and hangs up all angry. Like it's my fault. You're the one that got yourself in the position, figure a way out of it. It's not, you know, so I go pick up the boys from school and on the way out of the parking lot, I decided to call Ariana and I, to ask her how things are going or see where she's at. And she's still sitting in the office at the front of the school. She gets out early, by the way. Her normal school gets out at 3.30. I think she gets on that day, she gets out at like 2.30 or something. So she is sitting there and it's about three o'clock. And I said to her, I said, you know, did you figure it out? She said, no, I'm still sitting here. I have to wait for an administrator. And I said, okay, well, like, are you going to pay it? Or she said, well, I'm going to try to talk to him first. And I said, okay, well, do you want me to come help you? And she says, yeah, sure. Come on over here. So I pull up to her school and mind you, I'd been just home all day, uh, working and, and just around the house. And I, when I went to go pick up the boys, I never get out of the car. So I didn't have my hat and I've been growing my hair out. And so, I'm talking, he looked like a fucking mad scientist. My hair is probably, you know, a good eight to nine inches long on top. And it literally was sticking like straight up. And like everywhere, every which direction and whatnot. And I totally had kind of forgot that I had, A, my hair looked like that. And B, I didn't have a hat on. So we pull up to the school. The boys get out. I walk into the front office. And the nice receptionist lady is at the front there. And she, I said, she says, can I help you? I said, yeah. I said, I'm here to get my daughter's car unbooted. And she says, uh, she says, okay, well, you're going to have to wait for an administrator. And I said, well, what, like, what do you mean? You can't handle it? Like, you, I can't, you know, you can't like, get, get the boot off. She says, no, that has to be an administrator. So right then and there, I, I instantaneously or instant, instantly get irritated in a sense that because you've had Ariana sitting at your school now for like 45 minutes when she should yep. have been free to go. Like Exactly right. It's one but thing you I can't hold somebody. Yeah, there. Like I understand if you got to, you know, handle your parking and, and you got to try to control parking and if students are supposed to be in a spot, then, then they shouldn't be there and, and whatever. But if you got to ticket them or, or whatever, but you, she should still be able to get in her car and drive away. In my opinion, it's not like she was blocking like a handicapped spot or she was just in a, in a, in a spot that isn't quote unquote student parking. Right. And so she originally had gotten in that spot. She said, uh, to, be in that spot just for like five minutes she was going to take the afternoon off she had a doctor's appointment uh so she was running back in to get a couple of sheets of homework and was going to run right back out and leave because she had forgotten it so she came back parked right there and then went in so, but then when she got booted i just said you know I'm, I'm, i can't come deal with it stay at school so I'm, I'm asking this lady i said well where does it state that you guys are booting vehicles and it's my responsibility to pay 75 dollars 75 dollars insane yeah I said, where, 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 I've never, that information's never been disclosed to me. I didn't sign off on an agreement that states that, you know, like I didn't sign a student handbook or a parent handbook or like, I said, ultimately that 75 bucks comes out of my account. I said, well, where, where did I acknowledge that that was going to be okay? And she's, she says, well, it's, you know, it's just what, what we do. And, and, and we, you know, typically the students pay for it. I said, it does, it's still coming out of my account. Like whether I make Ariana pay for it or not is, is not any of your business. It's still coming out of my account. Right. And so she is really giving me a lot of attitude, like a ton of attitude and being real snippy with me. And so I just said, look, I, you know, I didn't agree to this sort of thing. You know, she said, well, you know, 
well, the students know that they're not supposed to park there. I said, well, that's fine or whatever, but I didn't. It was never disclosed to me. It's I'm the one that's supposed to have to pay for it. It's just, you know, that's silly. And you've been holding your hostage for 45 minutes. Right. Uh, so she, I think there must have been like a little help button there or must something. have been like a fucking panic button like yeah, you said underneath for the, sure I'm underneath sure, the desk yeah. had to have been a help button or a panic button because all of a sudden she's getting real snippy i'm kind of i'm not i'm not i'm just stern i'm like you know look i, I just don't i don't she says well do you want to speak to uh, an administrator i said sure i'll speak to somebody right now well we, well, we can't they're in a meeting I, and she said can you wait i said yeah i can wait to, uh for how long like two or three minutes she said yeah like maybe five they, they have to be out at 3 15 because they have bus duty at 3 30 i said sure i'll wait in the midst of this discussion, though, out comes another lady wearing some sort of credentials around her neck, comes barging out of the room. And she says, can I, you know, can I help you? And so it had to have hit a button or had to have done something because I then proceed to say to this other lady that comes, I said, look, I, I was speaking and sure, I couldn't see her name text. I had to kind of like bend down <laughs> and I literally, this I, is like, so f***ed up. I bent down and I was like, I, I was speaking here to uh, Miss Michelle, it looks like. I was asking to get my daughter's car unbooted, and it seems to me like she's quite irritated right now, so I guess I'll just have to deal with you. <laughs> and she, so the lady was like, oh, 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 yeah. you know, huffing and puffing kind of, and and uh, I wasn't disrespectful by any means. I promise I was not disrespectful. Just was pleading my case. You Blunt know? and Yeah, I was pleading my case, and uh, she did not like that. She did not like to be questioned. But what the funny part is is she had no authority to to take the boot off, take the money, or have a say in, in any sort of, of, you know, policy or whatever, but she was just all hot and bothered and just had to defend the, the rule, you know? And I'm like, you have, you don't even have any say, you know, when I later thought about it. But so this lady, she pretty much said the same thing. It's in the student handbook. They go over. I said, well, does she sign anything that acknowledges that she was, you know, this was disclosed to her and, and uh, no. And so they said, well, you know, would you like to speak to an administrator? I said, yes, I'll speak to an administrator. They said, okay, we'll sit down. So I ended up sitting there for like 25 more minutes until That's insane to me. Until somebody comes out. Happens to be, I think, the assistant principal of, or maybe the principal of, of her grade or something, but really nice guy. He comes out, shakes my hand. He says, here, come into my office. I, I come in there. I said, look, I just, I stopped by. Ariana's car got booted. Uh, I guess she parked in, in, a, in a spot that is not designated for student parking. I said it was never disclosed to me that if my daughter parked in that spot, she would have to pay $75 or her car would get booted and she'd have to sit here for an hour and a half almost where she should be, have already left school if she had a job. Like that's crazy to hold her here. And he's totally, you know, I agree. I agree. I agree. So we figured it out. I handled it, got the boot off, but on the way out of the office, I think it was the actual principal, uh, has Ariana in, in her office and he's like, well, you know, what were you, what were you doing? You know, why, why was the car even there? You know, why was the car even there? So she's like, well, you know, I, I, I left campus to go to Starbucks for lunch and, and he's like, huh, well, it's cause it's not a open campus. It's a closed campus. You're not allowed to leave. So she snuck. Well, how did Brielle leave all the time? <laughs> she snuck. She snuck. And I, she I know Ariana, trouble. they Ariana, claim like they're Ariana not the only ones. Got, yeah. And I highly, and I, and I, I, I I don't doubt they aren't. Yeah, right. You know, I really don't doubt they aren't. But so she snuck off campus to go to Starbucks. And then he says, well, who are the other three kids in the car? And my freaking jaw just about hit the floor. We have a policy and so does the state. But Ariana's actually passed that because Nikki, my hairdresser, said it's only six months after yeah, you have your license. Yeah, she's still not quite. She's got 10 days. 
Get a life, Croy. Ten, ten days. Yeah, it's ten days. Okay, but anyhow, okay, you guys. So you're not allowed to have people in your car. Under unless, the age of 18. Under the age of 18, unless you've had your license for six months. Yep. Our policy in our house is nobody's allowed in your fucking car. Yeah. So we've talked about this policy before. It's nothing new. We had the same policy with Brielle. Mm-hmm. So I had just talked to Ariana a week ago. Until Ariana's 18, she's not allowed to have people in her car. Yeah. In a, our house. One week ago to the day, pretty much, I had just spoken to Ariana and she had. Uh, taken a girl right across the street. She happened to be at Publix, knew the girl. The girl was walking. So she just took a girl across the street to, I think, a, maybe driving school or something. Right. And I just said, Ariana, you know our rules. You know, that was nice of you, but still not allowed. You know, like right. the girl has to figure her own stuff out. It's not your responsibility, even though you're offering a helping hand. It's our policy. You know, she's like, fine, you know, fine, fine. But we literally just talked about it. So then she takes a week later, she takes three kids off of school campus in our car and i just about i just i I didn't even know what to do and so she so she instantly knew that she was in trouble as soon as i overheard that conversation and the principal you know he he was was pretty stern with her and he just said you know that is not what you should be doing not okay i don't you know basically i don't want to ever see that again if i do you're going to be in trouble um, and she's like, I know I'm so, I'm really sorry. I, I know better than that. I shouldn't have done, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so then she gets home and I said to her, I said, Ariana, what? Like, we just talked about this a week ago. Like, what are you doing? And she just, she's a straight face. No answer. Nothing. She nothing. had nothing. I said, like, where was the gray area when I said, nobody is allowed in your car. When I first told you that rule, the second time I told you that rule. And then just last week when we talked about it. And you had somebody in the car. There, there, there's no gray area. I said, where, where, what's, what's, what's confusing about that? No one's allowed in your car. Well, you know, uh, you're right. Like she, she really didn't have anything to say. Because she doesn't. But, but what's funny is I'm at home waiting for Croy to get home because we're waiting. The boys have to get their hair cut and Nikki's been waiting on them. So Croy calls and he's telling me this story and he's like, the best part of it all, I didn't have a hat on. And I said, there is no f- way you left this house looking the way you looked Yo, it was like sticking straight up I look, curly it was an absolute disaster i literally looked like albert einstein literally literally, literally looked literally. like and and i'm sure they thought i just was nuts i'm, I, I I'm absolutely certain of they it. were looking at me like i was nuts and it didn't really click until it clicked on the way out pretty much <laughs> that i'm like oh my god KJ, KJ or Cash would, you know, typically say something like, dad, your hair, or like, like, you look crazier. Yeah. No, they definitely didn't no. uh, have anything to say to so, you. So, Ariana. She's a little grounded. She is grounded. She is, sadly. <laughs> I just don't get that. Ground. Like, it's hard to ground a student or a child that has, that's such a great student. Right. You know, it's like, it's, it is, it's hard. Um, but Ariana, she, man, she pushes, her limits with a couple things and that's one of them her friends are so important to her and the two girls that she's been hanging around with i'm not too keen on and she knows that and she's like you don't like any of my friends and it's like no i mean you're not making good choices i wonder half the time if she met these bitches on twitter <laughs> like oh i don't know but i like you i i just i i she really tried something doing this because we had literally talked about this a week ago and it's like, ah, he wasn't serious or ah, whatever. I'm like, Ariana, like, 
Like, what? Like That's what? insane. Yeah, she pushed the envelope. But again, she's grounded, so she loses the rights to the car for a little bit, and it is what it is. Hey, you guys, I am super excited to talk to you about FabFitFun. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box with full-size, yes, you guys, full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. It retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over $200. But my listeners can get an even better deal. Go to FabFitFun.com and use coupon code KIM to get 40% off your first box. The winner box, you guys, the winner editor's box is available now, and it is a amazing and they sell out super fast so hurry up and sign up you will not want to miss this box it has products like a knit throw from mark and graham an exfoliating scrub from kate somerville a ceramic bowl set from pier one and that is just the beginning of it you guys do not miss out they sell out super fast remember how great christmas was just a few weeks ago well getting your fabfit fun box in the mail feels like christmas four times a year you guys when i got my first box which was three or four years ago i was so excited, didn't know what to expect. And when I opened it, it had the most incredible products and some of my favorite products I've gotten from FabFitFun over the last four, I guess three or four years. It's really fun. Women love it. It's a great gift to give you guys. Check out FabFitFun.com and use code Kim to save 40% off your first box, making only $39.99. Again, that's FabFitFun.com and use code Kim. You deserve to treat yourself. In other news... The boys basketball game they won yet they won Saturday. Yep, two and one. They won they won Saturday. I can't even keep up with that, but um, it was really cute. Um, it was a, it, it was, was a, tied. It was a really good game. Yeah. Um, it was ten to ten, and then they kept going in overtime. A couple minutes. Yeah, they had one. They had one. They had one one minute overtime. The team they were playing had the ball right underneath their basket. They got like four shots. They one of them. Went in, toilet bowl, and right back out. And I was, was like, a blessing. oh, right. And you could just see it in KJ's face. He's so frustrated. He's nervous. He's popping his knuckles. He's like, please just don't make and a And then Brielle and Slater there too. And so he's like trying to show off. And, and yeah. so he's real nervous. Yeah. He's hot, red faced. And he's just, oh, he just doesn't want that basket. So, but then they, so then the second overtime, they pretty much had the ball the whole time and they got like two or three shots off. They got fouled quite a bit. And, None of theirs were really that close. The other team's shots were much closer. And so after the first or after the second one minute overtime, then it goes to a sudden death shoot off. And so each team gets a chance uh, from, the, from, from the kids free throw line. And first up, what do you know? It's cash. And he makes it. He makes it. I was so proud of him. I was, I was a little bit nervous because when it, when it's so easy, sometimes it's kind of like, yeah. you know, like you're just going to, too much overthink it yeah swoosh went right in then the kid on the other team who was making he made like four shots for for them yeah he got like eight points and then he had the buzzer beater to tie it too oh yeah he did yes and that's one of kj's best friends from like three point range this look he's so sure he's He's like literally half the size and he's throwing this ball like it's and it's just soaring through the air and so but he then goes after cash and swooshes it He's all, he's just strutting around and. Oh, he thinks he's Mr. Big Boy. So now it's 11 11. And then Sean, uh, on KJ's team had to, had to go after cash. He makes it. And then this, this other kid for the other team, it's his turn. And he, you could see he was confident. And it's he was another smiling. really, oh, wait. 
We it's talking a, about KJ's friend. That yeah, yeah, it? yeah. It's friend, kids for it's KJ's friend, but he plays on the other team, right? Yeah. So they are all in school, but he's this kid's like, and he's smiling, he's confident, and he shoots the ball, and he shoots it just a little bit too hard. It hits the back. He was not smiling. He was very nervous, and he was like, and you could, in his face, he was like, he made a face. He wasn't smiling. He was very oh, nervous. Was no, 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 no. He was like. Like super nervous about it. No, yeah. that was a very. There was no well, he smile. He stepped up. It was very nervous. I was proud of him for stepping and up. And he missed it. Yeah. And it's it a- was so sad. And I know his mom. And I was like, Oh my god! And he was crying. And yeah. I was like, Oh my god! So I said, KJ and Cash, get your ass over there right now and tell me you did a great <laughs> job. And we can't win it all. And so they did. And. I really like him. He's a really sweet little yeah, boy. Yes. His mom's really sweet too. So yeah. I was just like, man, that's a lot of damn pressure for a seven-year-old. Like a ton of pressure. I, I'm surprised oh, they so did sad. it that way. It was. That's the first time we'd had to deal with an overtime. And I was really quite surprised that that's how they had to end it. Like that was, that's a lot of pressure for a kid. It's way too much pressure. And then he feels like, you know, like he just, that's a He huge... screwed up the whole game yeah. and he was really crying <laughs> and was. his coach was really sweet and trying to like give him extra attention and love. But I mean, it's just mentally, yeah. it takes a toll. He'll never forget it probably the no, rest of his damn it's life. It's going to probably be his driving force for the next year, maybe. Yeah. He's a really sweet that boy. Shot, but. Anyways, that was that. Basketball for me is is definitely fun. I feel like this was the first game that they actually kind of knew what they were doing a little bit. Usually they just run around like knuckleheads and right. they're f-ing fighting for the ball. One misses it and they grab it and it's just a bunch yeah. of silliness. But this was kind of pretty, a little bit like a game. That's yeah, pretty cute. And only Cash and KJ had like the reddest faces in the world. And Brielle's like, <laughs> they have rosacea. I swear they do. I'm like, well, then maybe they need IPL, Brielle. And she's like, shut up. You're so rude. Oh my God. So I was kind of messing with Brielle. Um, as well. But anyhow, okay, you guys. So that's that. That's been our week. Keeping it positive. Enjoy, people. It's our positive segment. Turn that frown upside down. We are going to go back to our The Seven Principles of Making a Marriage Work. I'm so glad that you guys have really loved that podcast. Um, a lot of DMs and um, I've reposted a few people that have also loved it as well. Hopefully some of our insight works. We're by no means experts over here. No. I definitely just do research to try to bring the best um, stuff to you guys and knowledge. So we'll be talking about research and revolutionary findings. This is pretty nuts. I've read this, obviously, before I I brought it to to the podcast. Um, I've only read what I'm bringing to the podcast, so which is funny. I don't read ahead because I don't want to know ahead because then I feel like I would have a different opinion of things maybe. So anyhow... You ready, babe? I'm Don't fucking stare Let's at me. Do it. Why not? Don't stare at me. If you guys saw, I'm in my bathrobe. I wear the same pair of pants and t-shirt, like tank top. She's lying. Multiple pairs, but She's lying. every day with She's some... all dolled up in a, in a <laughs> Is that in what a you're seeing? Red hot red little set going on you're... right here. <laughs> that I guess that's what you're trying. Oh. That's what you want to see. I got the wrong oh. one right now, baby. That's okay. Okay, Don't, it's good to know you stop have blushing. You, it's good right. to know you have vision. <laughs> I'm not really blushing, <laughs> but all right. Just kidding. She's in a robe. Anyhow. Okay, let's start you guys with this. It's innovative research, revolutionary findings. When it comes to saving a marriage, the stakes are high for everybody in the family. And yet, despite the documented importance of marital satisfaction, the amount of scientifically sound research into keeping marriages stable and happy is shockingly small. When I first began researching, again, this I'm reading from the book, marriage more than 40 years ago, you could probably have held all the good scientific data on a marriage in one hand. By quote unquote good, I mean finding that they were collected using scientific methods as rigorous as those used by medical science. 
For example, many studies of marital happiness were conducted solely by having husbands and wives fill out questionnaires. I found this very interesting. This approach is called the self-report method, and although it has its uses, it is also quite limited. How do you know a wife is happy just because she checks the happy box on a form? Women in physically abusive relationships, for example, score very high on questionnaires about marital satisfaction. Only if the woman being abused feels safe and is interviewed alone does she actually ever reveal the truth. To address this quality of research, my colleagues and I supplemented traditional approaches to studying marriages with more extensive and innovative methods. We tracked the fates of 700 couples in seven different studies. We didn't just look at newlyweds, but also long-term couples who were first assessed while in their 40s and 60s. In addition, we analyzed couples who just had their first baby and couples parenting preschoolers and teenagers. We have examined the relationships of couples from diverse um economic status, racial and ethnic groups, and sexual orientations. Most of my long-term studies have entailed extensive interviews in which the spouses detailed for me the history of their marriage, their philosophy about their relationship, and how they viewed marriage of others, including their parents. I videotaped them talking about each other, how their day went, discussing areas of disagreement in their marriage, and also conversing about joyful topics. And to get to the psychological red of how stressed or relaxed they were feeling, I measured their heart rate, blood velocity, sweat output, respiration, and endocrine and immune function throughout these taped interactions. That shit stresses me out fucking reading it, dude. I'd be sweating just fucking because I know what the hell you're doing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Maybe, but they get a baseline. So oh, if your baseline is nervous and you get more nervous, you know, ultimately they still have a baseline. Interesting. Yeah. In all of these studies, I played back the tapes to the couples and asked them for insiders' perspective of what they were thinking and feeling when they said their heart rate or their blood pressure suddenly surged through a marital discussion. Then I kept track of the couples, checking in with them at least once a year till the study ended to see how the relationship was faring. Couples who attended my workshop have a relapse rate that's about half that from standard marital therapy. My colleagues and I were the first researchers to conduct such an exhaustive observation and analysis of married couples. Our data offered the first real glimpse of the inner workings, the anatomy of marriage. These results, not my own opinions, form the basis of my seven principles for making a marriage work. These principles, in turn, are the cornerstones of the remarkably effective short-term therapy for couples that I developed along with my wife, clinical psychologist Dr. Julie Gottman. Thousands of couples have attended our program. Almost all of them have come to us because their marriage was in deep distress. Some were on the verge of divorce. Many were skeptical that a simple workshop based on seven principles could turn their relationship around. Fortunately, their skepticism was unfounded. Our findings indicate that these workshops have made a profound and powerful difference in these couples' lives. I love this book. I think it's really cool. It's amazing. When it comes to judging the effectiveness of marital therapy, it seems that one year mark is a pivotal point. Usually by then, the couples who are going to relapse after therapy have already done so. Those who retain the benefits of therapy through the first year tend to continue their long term. So we put out workshops to the test by doing an extensive 12 month follow up on 640 couples. And I'm happy to report a success rate of about 75%. I'm even happier to report a very low relapse rate of 20%. The national relapse rate for standard behavioral marital therapy is 30 to 50%. Mm. More specifically, we found that at the beginning of our workshops, 27% of the couples were at a very high risk for divorce, but at 12-month follow-up after nine sessions, that proportion had dropped to 7%. The rate plummeted to 4% for struggling couples who also underwent nine additional sessions sessions of couples therapy. Furthermore, we found that their prevention workshops in which couples worked on their relationship before conflict began to take its toll were even three times more effective than our workshops designed for couples who were already troubled. Why most marriages 
therapy fails. In recent years, other laboratories have obtained similar findings to ours and have also developed techniques both for improving couples therapy and preventing relationship problems. But despite the gradual increase in useful and hopeful approaches, the majority of marriage therapists are still offering treatment that does not get to the heart of what makes a long-term relationship last. In order to achieve the next level of understanding about how to keep our relationships thriving, we need to throw out some of the long, hollow beliefs about marriages and divorces. If you've all had or are having trouble in your relationships, you've probably gotten a lot of advice. Sometimes it seems like everybody who has ever been married or knows anybody who has ever been married thinks he or she holds the secret to guaranteeing endless love. But most of these notions, whether intoned by a psychologist or TV or a wise manicurist at the local mall, are wrong. Many such ideas, even those initially espoused by the talented theorists, have long been discredited or deserve to be. But they have been become so firmly entrenched in the popular culture that you've never known different. Perhaps the biggest myth... I love this. Of all is that communication and more specifically, learning to resolve your conflicts is the royal road to romance and enduring happy marriage. Whatever whatever a marriage therapist, theoretical orientation, whether you opt for short-term therapy or long-term therapy or regularly reading relationship advice blogs, the message you get is pretty uniform. Learn to communicate better. The sweeping popularity of this approach is easy to understand. When most couples find themselves in conflict, whether it gets played out as a short spat or an all-out screen screaming match or stony silence. They each gird themselves to win the fight. They become so focused on how they hurt, on how hurt they feel, on proving that they're right and that their spouse is wrong or on keeping up a cold shoulder that the lines of communication may overcome by static or shut down altogether. So it seems to make sense that the calmly and lovingly, calmly and lovingly listening to each other's perspective would lead couples to find solutions and regain their marital composure. Indeed, there's an important place for listening skills and problem solving techniques in building and maintaining any relationship. But too often these approaches are considered all that couples need to do to succeed. And couples who don't problem solve well are considered doomed to fail. Neither of these beliefs are true. The most common method recommending for resolving conflict used in one guide or another by most marital therapists is called active listening. For example, a therapist might urge you to try some form of listener speaker exchange. Let's say Rick is upset that Judy works late most nights. The therapist asks Rick to state his complaint as quote unquote, I statements that focus on why he's feeling and what he's feeling rather than hurling accusations at Judy. Rick will say, I feel lonely and overwhelmed when I'm at home with my kids at night while you're working late, rather than it's so selfish to you of you to always work late and expect me to take care of the kids by myself. Next, Judy's asked to paraphrase both the content and the feelings of Rick's message and to check with him if, if she's got it right. This shows you she's actively listening to him. She is also asked to validate his feelings, to let him know she considers them legit, and that she respects and emphasizes or empathizes with him, even if she doesn't share his perspective. She may say, it must be hard for you to watch kids by yourself when I'm working late. Judy's being asked to suspend judgment and not argue her point of view and to respond non-defensively. I hear you as a common active listening buzzing word. I feel your pain may be the most memorable. By forcing couples to see their differences from each other's perspective, problem solving is supposed to take place without anger. This approach is often recommended whether the specific issue, whether your conflict concerns the size of your grocery bill or major difference in your life goals, conflict resolution is touted not only as a cure-all for troubled marriages, but as a tonic that can prevent good marriages from faltering. Well, where the hell did this approach come from? The pioneers of marital therapy adapted it from techniques used by renowned psychotherapist Carl Rogers for individual psychotherapy. 
Rogerian psychotherapy had its heyday in the 1960s and is still practiced in varying degrees today. His approach entails responding in a non-judgmental and accepting manner to all feelings and all thoughts the patient expresses. For example, if a patient says, I just hate my wife, she's a nagging bitch, <laughs> the therapist nods and says something like, I hear you're saying your wife nags you and you hate that. The goal is to create an empathetic environment so that the patient feels safe exploring inner thoughts and emotions and confides in the therapist. Is this shit not fucking so true? <laughs> yeah. Since marriage is also ideally a relationship in which people feel safe being themselves, it makes sense to train couples in this sort of unconditional understanding. Conflict resolution is certainly easier if each party expresses empathy for the other's perspective. The problem is, is that therapy that focused solely, solely on active listening and conflict resolution doesn't fucking work. A therapy study conducted by Kurt Holloway and Associates found that even after employing active listening techniques, the typical couple is still distressed. Those few couples who did not benefit relapse within a Year. When we began our research, the wide range of marital therapists based on conflict resolution shared a very high level of relapse. In fact, the best type of, of marital therapy conducted by Neil Jacobson had only a 35 to 50% success rate. In other words, his own study showed that only 35 to 50% of couples saw a meaningful improvement in their marriages as a result of therapy. A year later, less than half of that group, or just 18 to 25% of all couples who entered, who entered therapy, retained these benefits. A while ago, Consumer Reports surveyed a large sample of its members on their experience with all kinds of psychotherapists. Most therapists got very high customer satisfaction marks, except for the marital ones, who received very poor ratings. Though this survey did not qualify as rigorous scientific research, it confirmed what most professionals in the field already know. In the long run, marital therapy did not benefit the majority of couples. When you really think about it, it's not too difficult to see why counseling that relies solely on active listening to rescue relationships often fails. Judy might do her best to listen thoughtfully to Rick's complaints, but she's not a therapist listening to a patient whine about a third party. The person her husband is trashing besides all the quote unquote I statements is her. <laughs> there are some people who can be monogamous in the face of such criticism, um, but it's unlikely that you or your spouse is married to one of them. Even in Rogerian therapy, when the client starts complaining about the therapist, the therapist switches from empathy to other therapeutic approaches, active listening, asks couples to perform Olympic-level emotional gymnastics, even if their relationship can barely walk. I'm not suggesting that validation, active listening, and quote-unquote I statements are useless. They can be enormously helpful when attempting to resolve conflict. In fact, I often recommend them to couples in a modified format with specific guidelines, so you'll see later in the book. But here's the catch. Even if they do make your fights quote-unquote better or less frequent, these strategies are not enough to save your marriage. You need all seven principles. Even happily married couples can have screaming matches. Loud arguments don't necessarily mean or harm your marriage. After studying some 700 couples and tracking the fate of their marriages for up to 20 years, I now understand that the standard approach to counseling doesn't work, not just because it's nearly impossible for most, most couples to do well, but more important because successful conflict resolution isn't what makes marriages succeed. One of the most startling findings of our research is that couples who have maintained happy marriages rarely do anything that even partially resembles active listening when they're upset. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but I'm the one that just fucking doesn't talk. I just have a side. I do like the silent treatment if I'm mad because I'm real mad. Consider one couple we studied. This is cute. Belle and Charlie. After more than 45 years of marriage, Belle informs Charlie that she wished they had never had children. This clearly rattled him. What followed was a conversation that broke all the active listening rules. This discussion doesn't include a lot of validation or empathy. They both jump right in, arguing their point. Charlie says, you think you would have been better off if I had backed you and not having children? Belle, having children was such an insult to me, Charlie. Charlie says, no, hold on a minute. 
Belle, to reduce me to such a level. Charlie says, I'm not re... And she jumps in. But I wanted to share a life with you. Instead, I ended up in a drudge. Charlie says, now, wait a minute. Hold on. I don't think not having children is that simple. I think that there's a lot of biological, biologically things that you're ignoring. Belle, look at all the wonderful marriages that have been childless. He says, who? The Duke and Duchess of Windsor. Deep sigh. He said, please. He was a king. He married a valuable woman. They had a very happy marriage. Charlie says, I don't think that they're, that they're a fair example. First of all, she was 40, and that makes a difference. No, it doesn't, Charlie. <laughs> Belle, she had never had any children. He fell in love with her, not because she was going to reproduce for him, Charlie. But the fact is, Belle, there's a really strong biological urge to have children. Belle says, that's an insult to think that I'm even regulated by biology. Charlie says, I can't help it. Belle says, well, anyway, I think we could have a ball without children. Charlie says, well, I think we would have had a ball with kids, too. Belle says, I didn't have that much of a ball. <laughs> Belle's bitter. Charlie and Belle may not sound like the couple of the year, but they have been happily married for over four decades. They both say they're extremely satisfied with their marriage and devoted to each other. No doubt that they've been having similar in-your-face discussions for years, but they don't end angrily. In this conversation, they go on, they discuss why Belle feels this way about motherhood. Her major regret is that she wasn't more available to spend time with Charlie. She wishes she hadn't always been so cranky and tired. There's a lot of affection and laughter as they hash this out. The bottom line of what Belle is saying that she loves Charlie so much, she wishes she had more time with Charlie with him clearly there's something very positive going on between them that overrides their argumentative style whatever that quote-unquote something is marriage counseling that only focuses on quote-unquote good fighting doesn't begin to help other couples tap into it bada bing bada boom so what what i gather well so what i gather from that is that that you know i think if you're in counseling obviously just don't call your counselor tomorrow and say we're out we're done ain't working yeah i'm just reading from a book i'm just right giving but you i would but, offer this suggestion to you go get the seven principles for making why i'm gonna read it work. to you right go get but but right. study it with your partner and 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 add it to your counseling maybe you can stop counseling after this book or maybe you and your husband or or wife or partner or whatever can work it out over the long run but don't just tomorrow wake up and shut it down but so from what i'm gathering though is is most therapy or most counseling sessions or uh whatever you want to call them it sounds like they focus more on just spitting out the negative like i acknowledge that you're angry i hear that you're angry uh i accept that you're angry and you it's okay make me angry but gottman is is more focused on understanding you know somebody's emotions having that emotional IQ like we talked about last week and then continuing to build on those emotional IQs and finding the positive, you know, between Bell and, and what was the gentleman's name? Charlie. Charlie. Bell and Charlie. There was, there was a disagreement there. They didn't like something, but they were, but she was angry because she had missed. She felt at the time she had missed a positive with Charlie, that that positive being more time, more affection, you know, less grouchiness, less tiredness. So, but that was why she was angry because she had missed the positive, but they were able to find a way to, or in essence, after their argument or during their argument, they had some lovingness and, and they focused more on the positive and pulled that out of, of her frustration. Ultimately, you have to understand too that What's been done is done, you know, and, and I think a lot I, of people I always, lose- I like to, like today, I was like, I wish we could just go back to when they were babies or, or when, you know, um, I think of my fondest memories not being stressed that Brielle's moving out. Ariana's going to be graduating next year is when obviously, you know, we had all four littles. They were all babies. They didn't have basketball and, and baseball. And although I so enjoy all of these things and it's a 
awesome, incredible chapter that I didn't get to experience with my girls. I'm always one to like, oh my God. I, I always am thinking about things that made me really happy in the past, often throughout the day. It doesn't, I mean, and, and I say I would love to go back there, but I so enjoy where I am today, but I definitely am like, damn, that was, I really do miss it. Right. And I do say to myself, you know, and, I, and a lot of the times, because I'm a homebody, I'm a tourist, I always want to stay home. You know, Malucci, our chiropractor the other day, I, he's like, yeah, he's talking about all these trips he's going on and trips that he's been on. And I said, you know, like, so what? Let me guess. You're one of these people that gets up on vacation, goes downstairs and has fucking brunch, goes to the beach, the pool, comes in, has lunch, gets dressed, goes to a nice dinner. He's like, no, I don't want to do anything. Like we go to a room service. I want to stay in the room. And I was like, maybe that's a tourist thing because I am pretty boring. And I just say boring, but like I'd rather stay in the room or I'd rather stay home. But I always am reminding myself like when I'm older or on my deathbed or whatever the case may be, people never say like, I wish I got more fucking sleep, right. you know, or I wish I never, you know what I mean? Like, right. so it's like you, you got to live while you can. But so anyways, that's right. kind of where I'm at in my life right now, where it's like a, a new year and I swear I'm going to do more things. But that's good. No, I, I mean, I, I love that. Here's a little insider travel secret from our friends at Hotel Tonight. There are a ton of empty hotel rooms out there just waiting to be booked. That's how Hotel Tonight scores such incredible deals. They team up with awesome hotels to help them sell these rooms and pass those savings along to you. And these aren't last resort places. Hotel Tonight works with cool, top-rated hotels you actually want to stay in. And even though their name's Hotel Tonight, they're not just for last-minute bookings. So you can use it to plan ahead for things like a business trip or a family vacation. But you can also play things by year for a spontaneous weekend getaway, a three-day weekend, or a good old staycation. Whatever kind of travel plans you want to make, Hotel Tonight has you covered. So to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels, head over to hoteltonight.com or download the app now. We'll be right back with House of Kim. Alexa isn't the only one with breaking news. Make sure to hang around at the end of this podcast for the latest breaking headlines on the AP News Minute. General Hospital Steve Burton and Bradford Anderson have been playing buddies on screen for years, only to discover that their real-life dynamic is perhaps even more fun with guests from daytime TV, the entertainment industry, and beyond. No joking around. None allowed. We're a very serious show. Download That's Awesome every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And now back to House of Kim. My thought for what we talked about today, and I would challenge uh, each and every one of you out there to, you know, again, live in the present. I think if you pull from the past, it's it's totally fine to pull from the past positive emotions. We're, we're all. I think we all have triggers, too. Let's talk about triggers from the past, though. Right. So if you're going to be in the past, you want to be in the positive past because nothing is going to benefit your present other than the positive. You want to feel those positive emotions. You want to use those positive emotions to help propel you in the direction that you're headed and enjoy the present moment. You can think back like, oh my God, Cash was so cute when he was on the trampoline while he's jumping on the trampoline today. And you'll have a huge smile. I'm talking more about marriage. And if your husband pissed you off or did something that really hurt you, I'm saying, so say if there's a trigger, say whatever he did that hurt you. I don't know what it would be. Um, But there's a number of things, whatever it is. He did something that that hurt you. So say he was cooking you dinner and... 
you know, whatever, there's a trigger. Something triggered you to feel that same feeling that right. he hurt you with. Yeah. It's totally normal to to have triggers. It's just kind of how you, right. you handle so, but that. At so that that's moment, a big reason why marriages, I feel like, sometimes do fail because they're, the triggers are just too much for people to handle. There's well, either that, too that many is, yes. triggers or... Right. Yeah. So, But in those moments of triggers or in those moments of reflecting back on past experiences... You have two options in the present while you're reflecting. You can either choose to acknowledge and embrace that negativity and that anger and that frustration, or you can say, look, am I going to, or do I block that and say, you know, yes, he did that. Yes, that made me mad. But right now in the present, he's doing nothing. She's doing nothing. They're doing nothing that is making me angry. So I'm going to enjoy the present moment and try to let that slough off your back. So if you pull that sludge along from the past, it's going to affect your present. I challenge you guys, you know, each and every day to just when you when you feel angry, where's that anger coming from? Where's that frustration coming from? Where's that despair coming from? Is it coming from the past? Are they doing something in the present that's causing despair or are you pulling it from the past and allowing it to affect your present and potentially your future? People can't, you know, there's certain things they, they can apologize, they can do what they can do to try to repair, you know, they can they can fix their actions, they can fix their attitudes, they can fix their words, they can fix all these things, but they can never change what they did. It's always going to be there. That that chapter, that page is written. You can't rip it out. You can't. It's there. It's It's solidified. There's nothing they can do with that. So it's up to you as a person to understand. Am I going to pull that to the present and allow it to affect the present and potentially the future? If you're asking me, yep, yeah, I am. <laughs> well, and if you do, I'm combative, no, right? I'm and if you kidding. do, for, you, you then really got to try not and, to. I'm feisty as shit, and thank God I haven't had to deal with traumatizing things in my marriage that have just crushed me to my core. But I definitely feel like I am one to say, you know what? Last time you fucking did that, and Croy's like, whoa, 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 you know, nobody's marriage is perfect by no means, but I definitely think that we, I mean, I don't know if it's my memories going, I'm pretty sure that's what it is, but um, yeah. <laughs> we, we kind of move on rather quickly from, I would say, disagreements. Yeah. I think, well, again, you're not, we're not really, but pulling... I do bring in some things from the past, right? Well, and, that, and, and that's life, and nobody's perfect, and you know, but it's how quick can you transition out of that. Into back into the positive and embracing the current present, you know, experiences and what's happy and what's fun and what's building and what's repairing and all those, and then continuing to have a positive outlook for the future and going in the direction right. that you want to go. Ultimately, that's what you want to do. And if you want to go in a positive direction and have a healthy, long, fun relationship, pulling bullshit from the past and, and living with it in the present is not going to get you there. So you got to let go. You got to forgive. We've talked and, about you know, forgiveness. There's some, things in, there's some things too in life that you just can't get over. Right. And that's another thing. And I yep. think that that definitely takes some thought and there's mm -hmm. things that you just can't get over. Right. And if you can't, then you have to make a decision. I've been right. there. I did that. I made a decision. I filed for divorce many years ago. I wasn't married even 90 days. And I um, just knew that it was not something I wanted to deal with the rest of my life or something I could get over. And that was it. Done. You know, I think that a lot marriage is worth fighting for. I definitely don't think the grass is greener on the other side. And I definitely think you have your really high, high moments and you have your, you know, you have some bad moments. It's only normal. But I definitely you know, on my trying to not pull in any bad moments or, or things of that nature during, um, you know, the current current times. The yeah. Past. No, I, I love that. It's amazing. So next podcast, are we getting to principle one? 
We, oh my God, like I guess I want to get to the first principle. We're going to be exploring more myths about marriages. Um, it's kind of funny because it's like if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of thing, or common interests keep people together. Yeah, that's a bunch of bolt. Just wait, just wait. (laughs) I, we're going to get to the principles, you guys, the seven principles for making a marriage work. I am really, um, for whatever reason, feeling such a need to do this. So I'm going to do it and I'm going to keep doing it. But, um, yeah, so we're going to talk about these myths because I think that's interesting too. Like Croy and I could not be more opposite in the food arena. Like I don't eat meat. He loves it. I love vegetables. He's kind of liking those. Uh, he loves like candy. I love chocolate. He loves chips and that kind of thing. I'd rather a cookie. We, could not be more opposite. Like if I say, "Oh my god, babe, this is so good." He's like, "I don't I didn't like it at all." I didn't like it. At all. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> and he loves football. I don't even know how to f- play it even though he played it for 8 years. You know, uh so I don't I know that common interests don't keep people together, but and I love the beach. You'd rather go skiing, I think, you know, just kind of Not always. Not always. Not always. You're you're making valid points, but those are not always the things. I'm not, I don't budge on my tastes and my preferences and what I'm, where I'm going or what I'm eating. Croy's like, you know, he's open and more lenient. And I think that plays a big role. Then I went to every football game and I just watched his ass the whole time. It's probably why I never fucking learned how to play it. But so I'm supportive. It's not that I'm not supportive. I just, um, yeah. It just didn't interest you per se. Oh, your ass in a uniform. Well, of interests course. Yeah. Me, of course. Yeah. But the game itself did not. No, I, I, I think it's the hardest thing to learn. Yeah. I mean, I watch it on TV. It's, it's really way not. different than watching it in person. It's so easy. It's so <laughs> hard for me to learn, dude. It's and there's so, so many easy. weird, like, things. You can't grab a face mask, but this guy can trip you. Yeah. You can't fucking push a quarterback, but you can tackle somebody. I don't know. It's all fucked up. Yeah. But, anyways, okay, you guys, on to our golden nugget. It's the Golden Nugget. You win. This, this is, fun is really nugget. cool. Um, and I some, picked this one. Some fucking bitch, I blocked her on my Twitter, wow. was like, your Boom. ginger, ugly-headed child okay. is so disrespectful and rude. She must oh. be talking about how KJ said off or whatever he said in, when he was like in the monitor in the gate at the gate when he called the house phone when he was like little or whatever oh okay and i don't know what she must have watched that on Do- on okay, Party right. last week she was uh-huh. so fucking rude but anyways <laughs> scientists are showing that redheads are actually genetic superheroes yes you guys. we are so i wanted to read this in most cases redheads are maligned by society basically so they either love you or they hate you. Yeah. There's no much. really in between. Pretty much. Yeah. They either you're either loved by people. You're either sexy or, or insulted. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There's no in between. However, many important people have red hair, and some of them are Ed Sheeran, Prince Harry, Jessica Chastain, and most of their conversations is about their red hair color. However, Aaron LaRosa not long ago published a book called The Big Redhead Book, Inside the Secret Society of Red. In order to reveal more about them and to prove society wrong, it is her own book that and her she explains that the people who have natural red hair have to be proud of that. Additionally, she stated that there are natural biological benefits of being a ginger. She discovers a lot of interesting facts for having red hair. She says that they are the real quote unquote unicorns of the world. Moreover, Aaron says that gingers are blessed in more important ways as they are able to handle pain more efficiently than other people. The reason behind this is the MC1R gene mutation, which gives them the red color. 
Also, one study conducted in the McGill University in 2003 proves that with natural red hair, you're more tolerant to pain, 25% more than those who have other hair color. The research from the University of Louisville said that redheads need roughly 25% more general anesthesia if they go under surgery, meaning that they are more resilient people. This university also conducted a study in 2005 saying that redheads are also more sensitive to temperature changes, and they are the first ones to know when winter is coming. They also need less vitamin D than other people, which you would think the complete opposite, Mm. because they produce more of the vitamin in a shorter period of time because of their gene mutation. This means that you should be proud if you have red hair. Mm -hmm. My mom used to tell me all the time because she's a hairdresser that, what a dope photo, right? So cool. All the red hair. Yeah. Um, My mom used to tell me that redheads have more hair on their head than anybody else. Mm -hmm. They have more, um, more, more strands per per square inch or whatever. Yeah. They have more hair, more whatever. And they have like the most beautiful hair. So, um, which is very, very funny. I yeah. never thought that I would have a red head. KJ's. I don't know if we would. Uh, we definitely have some red undertones for sure. We're not like bright red. No, KJ. I was going to say KJ's like a. But sometimes in certain lights, we do look bright red. But then other times we don't like if it's it's quite bizarre. I don't know. But we, yeah, we, you don't have. Uh, like it's not, pretty dark right now in the winter. It doesn't. It's more like auburn color right, yeah. than it is like, like a orange red. Yeah, or like a orange like red. red yeah they yeah. definitely are not orange red you want to hear another here another interesting fact i don't know where i read this at some point there will be no more redheads on the planet we will become extinct how because it's a recessive gene so at some point i want to say like in the next hundred years like it will work its way out of our genetic makeup you like, know what's really be funny, no more redheads. guys croy and his two sisters they each have a blonde, a brunette, and a redhead. As for as our children, children yes. for children, mm-hmm. is that not creepy as shit and so mm-hmm. weird? <laughs> Cash is blonde. KJ's a redhead. Yeah. Kaya's brunette. Yeah. And your sister, same thing. And your yeah. other sister, same thing. Yeah. That's really funny. But just so you know, both Croy's parents have very dark hair. Dark hair. There's no red hair there. No. So it's very interesting. Yeah. But I think it came from my mom's side. It didn't come from my dad's side. It came from my mom's side. The Norwegian. Well, how are all three? Well, you're not really a redhead, but Krista, your sister's a redhead. Yeah, she's like red, red. And so is Kelsey. Kelsey's way more red than I am. Yeah, we all three had red hair. Yeah, you don't really, you're not red anywhere else. No. (laughs) (laughs) So much TMI right there. (laughs) Well, Brielle, we'll talk about, or I should say Brielle or Ariana. They're like, yeah, ginger pubes. And I'm like, what? And that's how they refer to some people. Oh, God. And I'm like, I don't know. You guys Anyways, are fucking nasty. Us redheads, are you trying to change the subject? We are. I am. That's TMI. But us redheads, we're badasses. You are a badass, for and, baby. And, and and you know, we're we're an extinct. We're an extinct. Uh, Green eyes and red hair are um, a very recess. Are both recessive genes? Kane has both. He has green eyes and a reddish reddish hair. Yeah, okay. we're we're a group that's going to go extinct. So. But you know what's us. funny? Cherish us. Not everybody stays red. So, for example, Kane, he's got auburn hair, but his eyelashes are jet black. Yeah. And psychic Natalie uh, Tomlinson, who was on our podcast, uh, she always talks about how Kane's going to have jet black hair, which I, I have. We'll find or out. Had. I had. I had. Um, and that K- that Cash, who's blonde and was like blonde, blonde, toehead blonde as yeah. a baby, um, will also have dark hair. We'll see. So it'll be interesting. But KJ has kind of lighter eyelashes. He's stuck with, with his color, I think. It's good. <sighs> that kid. He is a very special human We're gonna being. We're going to keep passing on the red hair gene. That's so cute. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of House of Kim. We will see you or speak with you on Wednesday. Yep. Tune back Wednesday. 
Thanks for listening to House of Kim with Kim Zolciak Beerman. Catch new episodes weekly exclusively on PodcastOne.com, on the Podcast One app, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you love the show, don't forget to leave a rating and review. So thankful for our sponsors who make House of Kim possible week after week. The sponsors for this episode of House of Kim are FabFitFun. Go to FabFitFun.com and use coupon code KIM to get 40% off your first box. Hotel Tonight to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. Go to HotelTonight.com or download the app now. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.